Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. From the Apostrophe Podcast Network. Hey listeners, a quick heads up that today's episode has some sassy language in the form of a couple of F-bombs. They all come from the unknown north. Talent, drive, and a pride worth paying for. But just because they're above the 49th parallel, it doesn't mean we shouldn't celebrate them just as well. So give it up to these good nuts, because our self-promotion sucks. And if they all went away, we sure would miss them. Canadian Star System. Oh, hello, and welcome back to the Canadian Star System, a podcast where we celebrate some of Canada's most talented people, and then they celebrate another talented Canadian that we should all be celebrating more, and it's all one big celebration, except for the parts where we lament why Canada doesn't do a better job of celebrating its own. Got it? Probably not. I'm your host, Steve Patterson, and I'm celebrating the fact that after this taping, I have a super soaker fight scheduled with my six-year-old daughter, Scarlett. Good luck, Scarlett. You're going to need it. Daddy feels a little bit of frustration today, but enough about me and water fights with my little girl. Let's get to that trademark dry wit of my perfectly proportioned producer and co-host, Diana Francis. Hi, Diana. Hi, Steve. Perfectly proportioned. Well, I said my little girl, and then I didn't know whether to say, and here's little Diana. So I was just like, she. Perfect. Oh, but now I've now I've offended you by saying perfectly. No, I think it's the how is that an offense? That's lovely. I oh, like that yeah. you have a super soaker event um, scheduled with your daughter because I just had one with my dog as I tried to bathe him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, it's like I got super soaked and he got mildly brushed. Yeah, I, we, we we send it out to professionals. You actually bathe your own dog. That's brave. Yeah, I thought that'd be a smart thing to do in the backyard. And then he immediately went and rolled in bark mulch. So <laughs> That's what dogs do. Well done. Because he knows you'll bathe them on command. So why wouldn't he? That's what I would do if I knew it was going to happen. Now, Steve, I have a question for you. You Mm -hmm. have a new puppy that you got during the pandemic because you're one of those people. Yeah. And I'm curious to know the skill level of your dog. Do you think your dog could ever be, uh, and I am going somewhere with this, a star of film and TV? Ooh, that's a great question because Canadian, we've, we've sort of discussed this before. Canadian dogs, like in the entertainment industry, dogs have a pretty good shot at it. They've got as many starring roles as, as any actors I know. So I would like to think he would. Right now, he's not doing well in training. So I don't think he does direction well. If there was ever a show about a dog that just eats everything within his reach <laughs> and doesn't <laughs> listen to anything and poops in a circle like a giant shit sprinkler, then I'd like to think my dog's got a shot. But I, but I, don't, I don't know otherwise. Hunter's probably better. What, what about Hunter? Hunter, my nine-year-old golden retriever, has done very well in the film and television industry. Not only has he been animated in a script that I wrote for Cornegas Animated, I jammed him into that, (laughs) but he's also starred in a commercial for the Hamilton SPCA that I wrote. 
but the I think his biggest claim to fame is that he was uh, had an appearance in the season two finale of the show that our star today that we are about to chat with is uh, well known for. And so he was in a scene with our upcoming guest, and I bet our upcoming guest probably doesn't remember. I was in it as well as a glorified <laughs> background extra reading a flea and tick pamphlet very poorly, but a good old Hunter shared the screen with our next guest. Does he get an IMDb for that? I am, I am Dog Bark or what? <laughs> oh, if that doesn't exist, I'm going to make it happen. <laughs> get on that. Well, well, I forgot about that. That's right. He has actual screen experience. Mm -hmm. What a perfect segue, Diana. You're the best at segues. You're welcome. Let's just get into it. Our guest today is an Emmy, an Emmy award winner and the star of a new groundbreaking series called Kevin Can F Asterisk CK Himself. And once on a whim attended a party of mine that I was holding in a neighborhood bar because why wouldn't you? Because this guest is actually a neighbor of mine, lives in my Toronto Junction neighborhood. You may know her best as Alexis from Schitt's Creek, and she is so packed with requests for her attention right now that we may have lost her while I was doing this intro. Let's see if we have. It's Annie Murphy. <laughs> Yay. Yay. She's still there. I'm still here. I got to go in about 35 seconds. Though, <laughs> so if we could just. Did. Hi, Annie Murphy. <laughs> Hi, bud. How are you? Oh, what a pleasure to see you. And I haven't gotten a chance to see you because you've been you've had so many demands on your time. Congratulations on the Emmy. Friend. I've oh, never shoot. known anyone to win an Emmy Award for acting. <laughs> so you are the first and the best. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's still a very weird thing to acknowledge, but gosh, it's nice. We're going to get into it. We're going to get into all the stuff. And I don't want to just yeah. ask you questions that everyone else has asked. So I do want to start with this. I was talking to someone and I said I was going to get a chance to talk to you today. Do you have any questions? For Annie Murphy. And her honest to God response was, please thank her for the song Hippo in the Bathtub. My mom and I used to play that all the time. She thought I said Anne Murray. Oh, you. <laughs> oh, you. Do you get that a lot? Do you get, oh, Anne Murray. Yeah. It like, I started getting that probably in grade two. Really? You know, when <laughs> we were all listening to Hippos in the Bathtub. <laughs> right. Like, on repeat. Um, and it hasn't stopped. It hasn't stopped. So tell your friend, I'm sorry for the letdown. And, you know, if she has any further questions for me, just let me know. I'm more than happy to answer. Uh, well, no, then she was, she was blown away that I would be talking to you because you're, you're a star on the rise. It's like capturing a supernova right now, Annie. You're doing so, so well. You've got a brand new series that we're going to talk about. Obviously, the Blitzkrieg that was Shit's Creek and is still pouring over people in all the goodwill now, it's taken you away from our neighborhood a lot because you have to work, which is selfish. <laughs> so uh, I just want to verify for listeners before we start that we are, in fact, neighbors, regulars at the same local bar. Very much And so. I once, uh, your parents once, you wanted to come to the debaters once. And that's sort of one of the ways that we met was like, hey, Steve, could, can you help my parents come see the debaters? Yeah. Could you hook my parents up with some sweet ticks and you did and i did you're such a generous fella well i just didn't know that it would open such doors because now <laughs> i feel like i've got a favor that you so now i can just be like annie murphy says i can get in there all right so out of the way bouncer in hollywood i'm going in and they're like oh i thought you were talking about an indie alehouse <laughs> after they'd already asked you to leave but annie said i could or the bouncer's like Anne murray is here that's Anne amazing murray. come on in hippos in the bathtub <laughs> That's not the right song. Let's let's start at Shit's Creek and move okay. uh, move from there. Yeah, let's start with the season two finale of Shit's Creek. And do oh, you remember okay. my dog? God. All right, Diana. I, All I right. genuinely want to dive deep into this. Please, uh, <laughs> please set the tone. Please paint the scene. Oh, here's a picture. Now, listener, we'll have this up on the website because <gasps> obviously you can't see this. But I took some screen grabs of Ted yeah. the vet, oh, who boy. is petting the dog. There's me in the background, awkwardly reading a flea and tick magazine. Visual. Did evidence. you absorb a lot of information or was it just kind of random <laughs> words that props had put on this pamphlet? You know, it was very informative about Lyme disease. Okay. And well, that's I'm good. trying to avoid it. 
And also now your dog has been blessed by the touch of Dustin Milligan. Right. So that's a lucky dog right there. The thing that my dog does when you first meet him is he shoves his face directly into your thighs and then takes a big breath and just goes, ah, I'm home. And I didn't quite get that moment, <laughs> but he did that to, uh, to Dustin. That's what I do to a lot of people too. So I can identify. <laughs> it's a great way to say hello. Right. You just... Uh... <laughs> There's a couple of different options that dogs have that we don't. And I do I I don't want to I don't want this whole interview to be about Hunter. If we could move beyond, but Hunter, congratulations okay, fine, fine, fine. on your small part in Shit's Creek. Now let's talk to one of the stars of it. So you you get this show that's, you know, a Dan Levy, Eugene Levy creation. You go to audition for it. And do they tell you anything about it? Do you have any inkling going in that this is gonna become this juggernaut show? When you see the sides or no? So I was in LA for pilot season when, for the dreaded, you know, anxiety making pilot season for me anyway. And I got these sides and on it, it said that Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara were already attached and Chris Elliott. Right. So I knew, I knew right away that because everything they do really turns to gold. And so I knew the show was going to be wonderful. And I knew that I would burn down whatever I needed to burn down to get on the, on the show. <laughs> That's an interesting, it's an interesting tip on how to get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just burn, burn it all down. By that, I mean, like I would actually learn my lines and rehearse the audition right. into the ground. But I think no one, nobody would ever say like, oh, this show will go ahead and in six years from now, clean up at the Emmys, mm -hmm. because that's just not how things work. But it was truly the best, best, best experience of my life and working with like Eugene and Catherine, who have been comedy idols and icons of mine for such a long time. And for so many people, I learned so much from them, not only, you know, on screen, but off in terms of like how to be a really friggin' good person while doing a really great job. It's just incredible to me that you were sort of immediately this focal part of the cast that includes all those heavy hitters that you talk about, all those comedy royalty, Dan Levy, obviously bringing a lot to it. It's great. It's his brainchild. And Chris Elliott has got this occult like following to him. And he was sort of the lone, yeah. the lone American in there, right? Everyone, it was an all Canadian was. cast. Yeah. So yeah. was it intimidating in those early days acting scenes with, with the Levies? Oh, I was scared shitless. And I remember <laughs> because I remember when I got the call that I that I got the role, I was this is the first call that I got the role in years and years and years. Like it had been a big old dry spell for me. And then to get the call saying I got the role that I had wished with all of my heart to get was a pretty big deal. And so I was I was really kind of like on a high for a very long time until a friend of mine a couple of days before we started shooting was like, oh man, you, you realize you're going to have to like act next to Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara, right? <laughs> and then just like this high just came to a screeching halt. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, you're right. What am I going to do? <laughs> the night before we started shooting season one, I did not sleep a wink. I remember lying awake, just trying desperately. You know, when you haven't studied properly for an exam and you're like, how do I get out of this? Are you those kind of I people? Do. Or am I, I do. Okay. So like I had that kind of feeling being like, I am not prepared. I am not prepared. And therefore I am going to say whatever I need to say to get out of this. So I don't <laughs> go in and do a terrible job. And the <laughs> only thing that my dumb brain could come up with was like, ah, I'm so sorry. I have a cleaning at the dentist <laughs> or like I have a doctor's appointment. That's not going to fly. <laughs> so in like the eight hours I was supposed to be sleeping, that's all I could come up with. And then I, I had to just drag my shaking corpse into work the next day. And I was lucky because even though this show was very much Dan's brainchild, as you said, he was very new to acting as well. And so he was a uh, he was like he was shaking in his boots, too. So it was nice that I had him to kind of lean on a little bit. And then. Once we got the first couple of takes of the first scene out, it really did feel like we had been doing it forever because Eugene and Catherine are so, there was never any welcome to the newbies. It was just right. like, now we're a, we're a group of actors doing it at the same level and let's, let's play around and have fun with it. Do you think it helped you personally that 
it was such an over-the-top character with this this crazy backstory that every almost every sentence she said was about something that she had done that seemed just outrageous and incredible as part of this this privileged uber rich life did that help you to kind of take yourself completely out of it or com- get completely into the role yeah i think that that was a huge help and you know the, it was over the top in so many ways wardrobe and the hair and the makeup was so outside of who i am as a normal human being that it really did feel like a character right away. And so that was much more easy to kind of hide behind. Can I tell you how well you played it from my perspective? Go on. <laughs> yeah, sure. Here it is. This is the next 30 <laughs> minutes of the show. My wife saw you in in the neighborhood at a, you know, one of the coffee shops or something. And she said, this, this she met you before I did. And she said, I saw the actress that plays Alexis on Schitt's Creek. And she's really, really down to earth and nice. And she smiled at Scarlett. I talked to her. And I thought to myself, that's not possible because that actress <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't talk to people. You played it so well. And at first of all, I was like, there's no way she lives in our neighborhood. We are the artistic up and coming neighborhood near the railroad tracks. I'm the oldest one here. So there's, there's no way that she's here. And secondly, there's no way that she's just that nice. And then sure enough, I ran into you on the street and you were exactly that nice. And as you've gotten more and more notoriety from the role, did it get tougher and tougher to run into people on the street who would recognize you and want you to be a typical Alexis all the time? Did that did that start to happen as the show got bigger? N- not in the junction. Like, I feel like people <laughs> were so used to seeing me like jogging and huffing and right. puffing red faced around the neighborhood. Yes. And, you know, you would text me every time you saw me on a run being like, way to go. <laughs> yeah. You look ridiculous. Yep. No, I would just creep text you all the time because you started to shop at a grocery <laughs> store across from our house and be like, what'd you get in the bag? Like I was, I was a real creep actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I missed that. Where did those texts go? <laughs> I guess I haven't been huffing and puffing enough around this block. Thanks for rubbing it in. You're welcome. No, I think it has started happening, especially kind of coming out of the pandemic. I haven't really been out very much since things reopened. And I really do think it is during quarantine and, and, you know, the pandemic that everyone watched it. Like mm-hmm. people, even the ones that were like, that's not for me, kind of got to the end of Netflix. And, and then <laughs> we're like, I'll just watch it. <laughs> Why not? So it is. it has been crazy to see the shift. And, you know, as I said, I think the junction is over it and they were over it a long time ago. But I was recently in New York and L.A. and it really was people were coming up to me and either yelling, you at me or or being like, can you do the can you do the T-Rex arms and say and like call my boyfriend whose name's David and and talk to him. And so, yeah, it's um, it's it, there's been a shift. And isn't it true that the whole ooh David, like you only actually say that two or three times in the show, but somehow it became this it like became catchphrase. Whatever the heck it's become. Yeah, I I think I only say it two, as you said, two or three times. But once I said the first you, David, it felt so good that I kind of made a point of just Ugh, David or ouch, David, or any just anything I could tack David onto, <laughs> I, I, I ran with. But yeah, the fact that this is not like you, David, is now on on like tens of license plates around <laughs> North America and, and like on baby jumpers and on, on doormats. And it just, it's kind of, it's wildfired itself. And I, I don't really get it, but it's wonderful to see. Now what's bigger, Ooh, David, or a little bit Alexis, because that took on a life of its own and started to be it, like music in dance clubs. People would start dancing to a little bit Alexis. And that is so, yes. And that's a song I wrote with my best friends. And you know, Colorado, all the Colorado dudes. Yeah. So Nick and Menno, I wrote that with, and we kind of like hunkered down in Nick's studio for a couple of days and drank a lot of beer and ate a lot of pizza and kind of came out. I love that creative process. (laughs) I'm going to write this down. Sorry, drank a lot of pizza. Just pizza. (laughs) Drank a lot of pizza. Drank a lot of pizza, (laughs) ate a lot of beer. We all secretly wanted to make a banger of a song, even though we knew it had to be kind of spoofy and jokey. And so we just stole everything we possibly could from Brittany and Paris Hilton when she was doing that. And Lindsay Lohan, when she was doing that. And it 
really, it's something that like it or not gets stuck in your head for like, if you're lucky hours and if you're unlucky days (laughs) and it, yeah, people play it, like play it as enjoyment. They, they pre-drink to it. They go out and request it at clubs. I don't think it will ever get old. We're, we're very pleased. I don't know if this, I know this isn't the target demographic, but first of all, Scarlett came to see a show that you were kind enough to help produce with Colorado and with Fred Penner. Maybe we'll talk about Fred oh, uh, a little bit later. Oh, let's. We'll let's. talk about Fred. But we showed Scarlett the scene when you are auditioning for the show within the show on Shit's Creek and you first perform a little bit, Alexis. She immediately loved the song and started dancing along to it. So <laughs> that's so sorry. No, don't be. I think it's it's super fun <laughs> and it's Again, it was that that show within a show. There was those little things that would catch on. And now, as you say, with with new audiences still finding it, because it did, it was a bit of a slow burn, right? With the the catch up uh, it was. to the show, even with the Canadian Screen Awards, who eventually recognized the brilliance of it, but they had to play catch up with the with the audiences. And whenever there wasn't an award given to Shits Creek with the Canadian Screen Awards, given the offerings, there would be some outrage amongst the fans of the show to be like, how could you not? recognize this show and i was actually writing the canadian screen awards one year when you were nominated uh, alongside Catherine o'hara and there was this Uh great feeling of goodwill in the room at the canadian screen awards but that can't compare to i mean it does compare somewhat let's compare the emmys and the canadian screen awards if you would okay as a canadian actress you know you want that you want that notoriety you want that recognition of your work within canada right how much bigger is it, the Emmys? Is it just the international? Is it just the history of it? Why does it seem so much bigger, the Emmy Awards, than the Canadian Screen Awards? Because it's America. And America <laughs> makes sure to tap into the minds and souls of you know the world as opposed to just keeping things to themselves. And sometimes that's a good thing. And sometimes that's a really, really bad thing. You know, Canada, I think really, I don't know if it's intentionally, but really kind of keeps it within our borders and doesn't force it on others. So it really, I mean, not that I ever won a Canadian Screen Award. Diana did. It's right behind her. You can see oh, it oh, in screen. That? Oh, yeah. that? there it yeah. is. <laughs> but uh, Annie, I think that's a really interesting way to put it is Canadians, we don't force ourselves upon the rest of the world. We sort of feel like we've got this great thing, but we are not going to tell you about it. You should hear it from somebody else. And and the American system seems to be much more like you're going to hear it from us. We're going to tell everyone right away. And that's that's your feeling as well. That is my feeling. And I think that really happened with Schitt's Creek was that because it started out on CBC, it felt very small and and kind of incubated and and wonderful in that sense. Like it really felt like our show. And I think for the first couple of seasons until it got on the pop network in the States, it, it was a very Canadian thing. And then the pop network kind of, there were people who started kind of trickling in and found it in the States. But then it wasn't until Netflix came by and scooped up the show that it really, really, really took off because then it was in, you know, most people's living rooms, touch of a button, there it is, easy to watch. And that really is when it it started gaining a lot of momentum. Now let's take that left turn into Fred Penner. I can't bring him up and not talk oh, about it. Oh, thank God. What's yes. What's the history? There's that family connection there with Fred Penner. Is that right? Okay. It feels like it's a family connection. Right. But it's not. <laughs> it was, I mean, I guess it was my parents being my parents. So in that sense, it's a family connection. But it's when I was living in Montreal and my friend Matt Rodsepp and I were so kind of burned out and already jaded at the age of like 23 That's about good. being an it, actor. No, no. It's good to start early on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We were like, ugh, we can't go out for any more of these auditions. We have to just write something for ourselves. And so we started writing this web series called The Plateaus and it was about the music industry. And it was during Pop Montreal. and. Fred Penner was doing a couple of shows at this beautiful old theater in Montreal and my parents were visiting and they walked by. I guess I was with them. Oh God, listen, I'm sounding like such a grandfather. 
Um, I think I was with them and we popped in and Fred was there doing his warm up. And my mom was like, just go ask him if he'll be in the show. And I was like, I'm not asking Fred, I'm not asking the Fred Penner to just come be in my web series. She was like, you just go do it. And so she went up and was like, hello, Fred. We have been longtime fans. And Annie, my daughter, and then just kind of like motioned to like, come on over, come here, come on. And so I like very, in a like very humiliated fashion, like dragged my body over there and introduced myself. And she goes, I think she said something along the lines of, and Annie, do you want to tell Fred something? And I was like, no. Ow. Anyway, I ended up saying like, this is so stupid, but I'm making a web series with my friend, Matt. It's about the music industry. And and Fred was like, that sounds wonderful. And I was like, do you want to be in it? And he said, very much. I would love to be in it. And then that night, Matt Rodzeb, my co-writer, went to Fred's show and waited around for Fred after the show and went up and said, hey, I, you know, I think you were talking to my friend Annie Murphy this morning about and he said, the plateaus, yes, I can't. And so he just gave us immediately his phone number and email. <laughs> and it was that easy to rope sweet Fred Penner into some project, some like half-assed, barely assembled project. I really feel like that parents can sometimes be the best way to get gigs because they don't oh. understand how it works. So they don't have the same fear or self-consciousness of just going up to a celebrity and going like, you should be in my daughter's thing because <laughs> yes. they don't yes. they don't they don't understand if that's a faux pas or not. So there's an innocence to it that the, the a person on the other end is like, OK, all right. Yeah. I guess I have to be. It's yeah. adorable. How can <laughs> you say no to that? Yeah. That is yeah. fantastic. Is your mom now your agent? Because I think she <laughs> should be based on that story. I still don't know at this point. It, sometimes <laughs> I think yes, and sometimes I I don't know. I think that would be a, just a, such an endearing thing to bring to the industry. It's like, you know what? Seems like a nice idea. I'm pretty interested. My agent likes it. The money's all right. Got to check with mom. I'm going to uh, put you on. She's uh, she's on the other line. Hold on. Go ahead. <laughs> We're going to get Fred on this show at some point, Diana. Oh, Just good. tell him good, Annie's good. mom says he should come on. I'll get Annie's mom yeah. to book him. Please. <laughs> she's on it. Now we're in this after Shit's Creek world. And I don't want to say after because it, it's still a phenomenon. But now you've you've had to, you know, you've moved on from Shit's Creek, which had become your life and had kind of launched you into a different thing. Do you think of all life now as before Schitt's Creek and after Schitt's Creek? So I guess it would be BSC, which is technically Bachelor of Science. But I think that in the, in the entertainment world, this will be better. What's it like now on this new show that we're going to – I said the ampersand title, but you know what? We're going to put an explicit label on this podcast so we can oh, say it. Yes. Uh, Kevin Could Fuck Himself is your new yes. series, and it's brilliant. I've had a chance to see a couple episodes. It's not the easiest thing to find on stream in Canada, but yeah, apologies. And now it's, I don't want to give the show away, but it's, it's, it's got a darkness to it that Shit's Creek definitely didn't have. Shit's Creek was about acceptance um, and had some great themes that people weren't talking about, but it, it didn't go dark, dark. This goes dark and you are very much driving this entire series. And you're also playing, you're kind of playing two characters within right one, right? You're, it's a light, character and then the full-on dark one. How fun is that to be channeling dark Annie Murphy? Oh, it's great. It's great because she needed to come out. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny because the, so the show, it alternates between the a sitcom world and then a single cam, much darker, much grittier, more dramatic world. And in the single cam it is as you said like it's um it gets it pretty dark pretty fast there may or may not be a murder plot right <laughs> out of the gates and when i initially read the script i was like oh this woman does a lot of kind of smashing things and stomping around and yelling and i'm so used to playing alexis mm -hmm. who's the opposite of that well i have you know a problem playing something new and especially something this angry and it turned out, no, I didn't have any problem. <laughs> I think because of the last, you know, five years on this earth, I think a lot of people can summon up some frustration and rage. And it was actually the, there were so many moments where I got to smash like beer steins and, <laughs> and kick things and break things. And it was so incredibly therapeutic 
that I, I wish I, I wish breakaway glass on, on everybody. Cause it really, <laughs> it really got a lot of shit out. <laughs> it does look so fun to play. And it's got that it's set in Massachusetts. I don't know if it's actually shot in yes. Massachusetts, but it's set in Massachusetts. It is. Yeah. You play, it's like small town, Massachusetts. Worcester. Worcester. Yes. And I, it's spelled, spelled yeah. weirdly like the Worcester sauce, <laughs> I guess. Did you have to get a lot of coaching on the Massachusetts accent? Did, how, how hard did you have to work on that? It is a very, very tricky accent because you don't, I feel like when people do the Boston accent, it could very easily be insulting and kind of sound Peter Griffin-y. Yes. And we definitely didn't want to insult the people of Massachusetts, even though I'm sure we will at some point (laughs) because they are very proud people. But we had a very patient dialect coach who worked with us and was on set every day. But it, it's it's a real, as I said, it's a real tricky one because it's not there, not there, not there. And then it just comes up and kind of like wallops you in the side of the head. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we're still kind of all finding our our footing, but it was definitely a, a, a big, fun challenge. I think it's just brilliantly done, even in terms of the way that they shoot it with the, the lighting changes when it's supposed to be on set versus offset, quote unquote. And it's uh, yeah, it's it, it's unlike anything that's been on on television before. So I think that once people do find it, I think they're going to, it might be a bit polarizing, I guess, because if you just watch the first couple minutes, you're like, what is, what is this? Is this, is this intentionally schmaltzy? And yes, it is. You got to get through that first (laughs) couple minutes and it must be a challenge. I've always wondered this with actors and we can, when you bring on your next guest, we can, we can uh, ask him as well, but is it challenging when you are a talented actor to play intentionally not talented. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, when you're delivering ooh. a line that you think this is corny, but I know it's corny. And that's different than just delivering the line, right? I wouldn't word it as like a, a not talented actor because I think there's there have been so many talented actors in the sitcom world who, but there's no, a, there's no, a, Annie, I'm sorry. I'm going to step in here. They're all shit. <laughs> They're all shit. <laughs> Oh, okay. No, I'm okay. untalented might have been the wrong word, but we, I've, you know, I see but actors. There's a cadence yeah, yeah. and a way of delivering the lines that's kind of like formulaic at this point. And it is a bit over the top yeah. and it is a bit theatrical and like over performative. So it was really cool to kind of lean into that way of acting and then also have the opportunity to be like, but I can also be grounded. Look at, look at this part where I can, you know, actually. Do my, do my version of acting. You're really, really, really good in it. Thank you. Bud. Especially in the dark parts. You really did channel them. I'm not going to ask you what you used to channel them. I never want to. <laughs> I never want to piss you off. I've seen two episodes, and you've punched three men in the face and drawn blood. Each time. <laughs> Before we get to your, I, I could, I could talk to you all day, but you don't have that kind of time anymore, right? I used to be able to just, hey Annie, I'm having my daughter's party in this bar. Come on in. You'd be like, all right, I got nothing. Yeah. I'll be there in 35 seconds. And now, you know, now we were sharing Annie with the world and everyone at Indie Ale House says hi, by the way. I'm there constantly. <laughs> I hope to see them all very soon. Hey, everyone. Since we have to pay for Annie and Steve's impending bar tab at the Indie Ale House, we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Hey, Diana, you're a dog lover, right? Well, I'm a dog owner. Love is a really strong word that I like to reserve for okay, relationships. Okay, we don't have that... time. We don't have time for your commitment issues. You have a dog named Hunter, yes? Yes, I do. And Hunter already has some on-screen acting experience, including in Shit's Creek, right? Well, yeah, you know he does, Steve. We talked about it earlier in the episode. And hey, I was in that scene too. Yeah, but he kind of stole it, which is why I think you should get him to teach other dogs canine actor training. Canine actor training. So a dog acting school with the acronym CAT. Yeah, I didn't I didn't think that through. But some of Canada's biggest on-screen stars have been dogs, like the littlest hobo and either Rex or Hudson from Hudson and Rex, to name just two. Can you name a third? Yeah, Finnegan from Mr. Dress Up. He was a puppet. All the best actors are, Diana. And all the more reason you should get Hunter to teach canine actor training to other Canadian dogs. You know, make more dogs acting stars and make those dogs owners more money. Well, I can ask Hunter, but I'm not sure what he'll say because he's a dog. Yeah, well, he won't say no then, will he? Canine actor training with Hunter Francis. Let's find Canada's next biggest, littlest hobo. Okay, well, the tagline needs a bit of work. 
Look, just get Hunter to teach my dog Ferris some acting so he can start paying for himself, all right? Oh, that's what this is all about. My God, dogs are so expensive. Why didn't anyone tell me this? I know, buddy. I'm so sorry. Just wait till they get old. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. And now that we've paid the bar tab, back to the show. Before we introduce the person that you're going to introduce for us today, I've got this section that we like to call quick questions. Quick questions. Oh man, it, my palms started sweating. Really? We're not going to go we're yeah. not going to go too too deep here. Okay. Let's start with this one. What other than proximity to me do you miss most when you're away from Toronto's Junction neighborhood? I mean that you know that that was my number one. I know that. Um, I know that. I assumed that. Indie Indie Alehouse. Mm-hmm. I miss Hole in the Wall. Yeah. I know both things so far have been bars. Yes. Um <laughs> I miss the ability to walk to every thing I could want grocery store cafe and um i miss i miss just the like there's so many there's such a cast of characters in the junction it's true that you see on the street every day and i miss i miss those faces well that's love we've been an up-and-coming neighborhood for 35 years (laughs) (laughs) and will be for another 35 i think (laughs) i think i know this but i might as well get it out there for the listeners what do you prefer beer or cocktail Beer, hundred percent. Okay. IPA. Give me an IPA any any time of day, and I will be a happy lady. Let's jump into this. If a craft beer were to be named after you, what would it be called? Because there's a chance that could happen. Oh no! Oh no! This is very hard, and I don't want to be held to an answer. Well, that's what this show's about: asking the difficult questions that no well, one the else. Hard hitting questions. Yeah. Well, oh, <sighs> okay. This is not me. But then I'm stealing someone's idea. Okay. Uh, that, that's my disclaimer. But someone once suggested a brew, David. A brew, oh, David. That's good. I have Which an option. I have an okay. option. Yeah. Okay. A little bit ale excess. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. that's also Diana, that's also strong. Diana, that is good. That's good. For, like, <laughs> wow. I, I threw that question at you. So if you come up with something later, you can text me. We'll put it. Can we'll put it in a later. Because that's going to hit yeah. me at like three thirty this morning, and I'll wake up in a <laughs> you know cold sweat, being like, <gasps> "I'll uh, I'll put that into a different person's episode." It'll be like, by the way, Annie Murphy. A few episodes ago, she's finally come up with the answer for. <laughs> put it in the Fred Penaranda episode. Oh, perfect. Pretty cerebral cast, I would say, when you're with the Levies and Catherine O'Hara. So, who do you think would win in a game of Scrabble between you 
Eugene and Dan Levy and Catherine O'Hara. I think Catherine would, especially now with her uh, Moira Rose vocabulary that she's studied for the last six years. (laughs) She has she's really schooled herself and she would just bring, you know, the writers would do their thing. And then Catherine would just go in and write these flowery, incredible synonyms. (laughs) So I think Catherine. I think you might be right. She just seems like I've only met her a couple of times. She seems like the most delightful person in the world. Yeah, she's um, she's a pretty special creature. She really and for such a for such a long time of solid, solid comedy. So shout out to Catherine. Let's try to get her on the show, Diana. Again, get Annie's uh, mom on it. (laughs) (laughs) We'll just have you complete these sentences and then we're done. Yeah. The Canadian star system is a mystery to me. (laughs) (laughs) Well played. And being the next door neighbor to the United States is like an occasional hellscape. <laughs> That's good too. You got to be, you have to be careful now because you're spending a lot of time there, right? You're bridging yeah. that gap that not all Canadians can. So I know that you see the good on both sides, which not all Canadians do. I very much And very And much we do. appreciate that. And thank you for, thanks for that. And now please introduce us to our guest and be very clear here. You're not leaving, please. We need you to stay on here so we can have a panel discussion. I've canceled the rest of my day. Thanks, Annie. Um, which that. was basically just getting on a Peloton for 15 minutes. Yeah. And then <laughs> I say we just go to Indie Alehouse instead. Don't tell me. Yep, that's what I do. But so, if I may, please, yes. I would like to introduce you two and the listeners to my best friend in the whole wide world. We've been best friends for about 17 years, and we met at the Concordia theater school program. His name is Antoine Yared. He is one of the most beautiful human beings I've ever met in my life. He is kind. He is loving. He has a wicked sense of humor. He is an incredibly talented stage actor who has performed many times at Stratford, including an incredible stint as Romeo a few years ago. He's slowly but surely breaking into the world of TV and film. And I just can't wait for you to meet him because everyone deserves a little bit of him in their lives. This is Antoine. There he is, Mr. Antoine Aaron. Hello, Hello, sir. Hello. Thank you so much for doing this today. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you, Annie, for that beautiful introduction. I'll never say anything like that ever again, so you better <laughs> just soak it in. What an, intro, what an intro. It's tough to live up to that, isn't it? It is. It's not what I was expecting. I'm a little confused because she said that I was here because you guys were looking for uh, Canada's next Rachel McAdams. And <laughs> <laughs> it feels like this is not what's happening here. It was the old bait and switch. Oh, well done. Well done. Yeah, that's another show that I host. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's get into this because you're an actor on a, a an incredible level. Not only are you a Shakespearean actor, which is already an incredibly difficult thing that I can't even fathom, and a lot of actors can't fathom clearly. You were born in Lebanon, moved to Montreal when you were young at a young age, and as a result of your varied background, as it says in your bio, you can perform effortlessly in three languages. So, what would happen if you put effort into it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I could uh, move out of my parents' house. <laughs> it's been a crazy year. Um, I yeah, I've been doing a lot of theater for the last ten years, and I had a wonderful um, journey with uh, the Stratford Festival for five beautiful seasons. And then I decided that I needed a break. I needed to give my personal life a chance, and also like see the rest of the world. And I worked in Toronto and Montreal, and I worked in the states. And then uh, I came back and COVID happened. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a place to live because I'd never been in the same uh, city for more than three months at a time. When COVID happened, I was, I thought maybe I should go back and stay with my folks for a bit and enjoy like being 36 (laughs) and with my parents. (laughs) (laughs) So that's been a journey. And so when when Annie invited me to do this podcast, my initial reaction was like, no, 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 no. I can't do this. I can't. You just want an Emmy and you're on, you're on Jimmy Fallon every third Saturday of the month. And I'm auditioning, I'm auditioning for toilet paper commercials and I'm leaving my parents. But. You know, you could have not told us about the parent parts yeah. um, and we wouldn't have known. No, but. he's an open book. I, no, I'm an open book. No, I've been really grateful for the time spent with them this year, but I am moving out. And it's fair. We get it, buddy. We, you know, take your time. Take your time. You got till you're 40. Really? <laughs> Are your parents still based in Montreal? 
They are. Yeah. Yeah. They're in Montreal. What can you tell us, Annie? I got to be honest. I didn't even know that you went through the Concordia program with acting. So what can you tell us, either of you, but uh, Antoine, this is your time, so don't let Annie hog it. What can you tell us about the art scene in Montreal? I know you went to Dawson and then you went to Concordia as well. And did you do the French acting program or did you do your program in English? I studied, uh, I went to like high school in French. And then when it came, when came time to go to college, CJEP, as they call it in Quebec, I applied for like an arts and letters program, which I hated. And a year later, I decided that I I would audition for a theater program without telling anybody, uh, including my parents. <laughs> I'd never expressed the desire for acting or um, the performing arts. And I got accepted. And then I, I told them. And then it ensued like 10 years of confusion uh, <laughs> about my life choices. Because, you know, uh, being an actor is not something that you typically find in a Lebanese household. Although my father wanted me to be a politician. So I, I guess we same sort thing. of like, it's the same thing. <laughs> it's the same, it's the same thing. thing. Yeah. I did the, the theater program at Dawson College for three years, which is more like a conservatory type situation. And then um, upon graduation, I wanted to take a year off and go and audition like everybody else in my, uh, my class. But my, oh my God, I keep talking about my parents. This <laughs> my mom That's was right. like, no, you're going to university. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to go to university. She's like, yes, but you're going. So I did. And um, <laughs> thank God you did. I auditioned for the Concordia program and I really didn't want to get accepted. So I half-assed my audition, hoping that I, love I would it. not I, be taken. I love, I love that this was the way you did it. See, All right, go on. His worst. <laughs> and even at his worst, I they was, were thirsty for it. <laughs> I was put on a waiting list, which was, which was, a, it was like a good compromise. And then um, I think two weeks before the start of terms, I got a letter saying that I was accepted. And so I reluctantly went to class and then I realized that I had so much more to learn. There were some incredible teachers at Concordia, one of which was Joel Miller, who um, passed away two weeks ago. He was our Shakespeare um, teacher and who sort of set me off on my journey to to really fall in love with Shakespeare and fall in love with Annie. That's where we met at Concordia. And it was like love at first sight. Yeah, it was. It was. Is it a bit weird for you to share your lifelong friend Annie with the world? Because I'm offended. She was my neighbor. We used to have a lot of <laughs> drinking time. And everyone everyone sees these, these great successes. And I'm like, I'm happy for her because I know she's a great person. But also, it's cutting into my personal Annie time. You know what I mean? She doesn't, <laughs> she doesn't have the time that she used to. So, I mean, if you could say anything to her right now, if she were listening, what would you tell Annie? Don't be mean. No, just be as mean as you want. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've lived, I've lived with Annie for a bit. I love her so much. I have nothing bad to say. Except, except I, I saw her for the Bro, first time. Yes. Turn up the record. I saw her last, uh, two weeks ago. Was it two weeks ago? She was in Montreal two weeks ago for a photo shoot for Elle Canada. And I hadn't seen her in maybe six months. And um, we were meeting for dinner after her shoot. And she looked so beautiful because yep. she still had makeup on. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that Shakespeare's really taught you some good backhanded compliments. Aye, aye, aye. What a oh, silver-tongued so devil. I have so many of them. I have so many of them. And they, you know, they added some fake freckles on her face. Really? Which I thought was, yeah. But I hadn't seen her in, in a while. And, and she, she was, you know, she's, she's just so beautiful. But also intelligent and talented and all that stuff. But she is really stunningly beautiful. I'm just pinching him under the table. And right now. she's <laughs> pinching me. And I looked at her and I was like, you look American. And she oh. was, she didn't know how to take that. And I didn't know how to take that, but it, it just came out of me. And I think it's because weirdly in my head, like I, because of her career and everything that she's accomplished in the last year and knowing she's spending so much time in the States, there was something about her that was starting to feel like she was an American star. I didn't know you were serious when you said that. I thought you were trying I, to push well, I, my I, I didn't know I was serious at the time, but I guess I was. But she's not. She's, she is Canadian. But, <laughs> but yeah. she, there's, you know, she's getting that, like that Hollywood beauty thing. I think I know what you're saying because to some that would be shots fired, right? But I think Annie's still Annie from the block. It's just a different block. She is. It's She's just... I mean, yeah, it was purely a visual uh, (laughs) observation. No, she she is. And also because I told him not to make eye contact. Right. That's probably weird. And refused to get in his car. We went to the restaurant, but I sat in one corner and she sat in the other. Yeah, fair enough. I took pictures from far. Maybe she was... It was the new Massachusetts accent on you, that alluring... Hey, why don't you come over (laughs) here? That's what it was. Why don't you come sit over (laughs) here and have some chowder? (laughs) Yeah, I kept waving my fist around like the the Celtics mascot. She's she's she is literally the nicest person that I know. 
Okay. And she ha- she hasn't she hasn't changed. Really. She's actually blushing while we're talking. Antoine, you've it's, I, I'm just so impressed by your your body of work. You played Romeo, which is the most iconic of Shakespeare's characters, or one of the most iconic. When you're doing that production, particularly in Stratford, which is a high high profile festival, do you have to stay immersed in that all the time? To me, it would just be if I started to try to have a normal conversation, I would get stuck in iambic pentameter or something. Are you able to? <laughs> are you able to to draw the line? I I was able to. I, I think. Thank God. Thank God, because I I think I I. <laughs> can you imagine how obnoxious that would be if I only spoke like this all the time? Yeah. <laughs> well, it was it was my fifth season, so I I'd, I'd been there long enough to be able to sort of organize my life in a way that was efficient for the work and also for mental Letting health. Letting your hair down. Yeah, right. Exactly. And that whole production was the best case scenario for me. It was not a part that I ever thought that I would play. It wasn't a part that I thought I wanted to play. And it wasn't a part that I thought anybody else would want to see me play. You know, strangely enough, as actors, we have to keep uh, a really open-minded perspective on ourselves. But we sometimes end up boxing ourselves because, you know, we still live in society and we have boxes put around you yeah. anyway. May I ask why why do you think that no one wanted to see you play that role? Good question, Probably Annie. Probably because I'm a Middle Eastern guy with a big nose who never really thought himself thought of himself as like a, a romantic figure, but I think that's where the trap was with Romeo is that he's not. He's just a um, uh, angsty lost disenfranchised kid who's desperate for a human connection. And that's what he finds in Juliet. That's how I approached the show and the part. And I got to do it with uh, this incredible actress and uh, my Stratford bestie, Sarah Farr, who was amazing in the role of Juliet. She was just incredible. Who I was deeply, deeply jealous of because in my like most romantic thoughts, it would be me and Antoine one day (laughs) on the stage at Stratford playing Romeo and Juliet. But damn it, Sarah was so good. So good. Both dying together at the end. I get it. I've seen it. I've seen the show. <laughs> now that you're, you are taking on other roles, you're not doing all Shakespearean acting. You're taking on nope. other roles. And I'm fascinated that you can act in, there's English and French, obviously. What is the third language, Antoine? That you Arabic as well, like Lebanese Arabic, which I haven't had a, a real chance to, to use fully um, in an acting uh, situation, but I'm, I'm really hoping that that will come my way. There aren't a lot of parts, unfortunately, that call for using that language on film and TV or stage. But hopefully there, there will be an opportunity for that to, to happen because I'd like to bring that part of myself to the work as well. I only started working in French this year. I mean, I grew up, I was born in Lebanon and we, we moved to Montreal when I was five at the tail end of the Civil War in Lebanon. Uh, so in 1990, I went to school in French and we spoke French and Arabic at home. and. I went to French high school and English came really late into my life. I think maybe I was 16 the first time I actually started communicating in English. Can I just say that's insane? Can I say it's insane? It's probably not the right word, but (laughs) (laughs) you 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 picked up English in your teens and then you're playing Romeo at Stratford. I mean, that's incredible, my friend. That's an incredible achievement just in itself. Thank you. I thank Shakespeare. I fell in love. With the language, I fell in love with how difficult it was to get around it and the satisfaction you get when you sometimes maybe you are lucky enough to, to do it right. It feels like magic. There's something about the fact when you're, when you're speaking verse, you're speaking poetry. And uh, what poetry encompasses is it speaks to the mind, it speaks to the soul, the spirit, it speaks to the heart, it's intellectual, and it's, it's all-encompassing. And when you manage to do it properly... Sometimes you feel like you're superhuman Hmm. because you're communicating at a level that is way bigger than you will ever be. And if you're lucky enough to do that, to communicate it, then the audience who's listening feels also superhuman because they're, they're vibrating, they're understanding at a, at a different sort of um, level. And it's, it's like magic. I have, I've never found anything like it. Watching actors who really know how to deliver Shakespeare well on stage is a transformative thing as an audience mm-hmm. member because suddenly you understand yes you get the it. language and it's fascinating when you watch a show and if one actor's got it and the other doesn't 
it's it's almost like listening to somebody. Oh, I understand the language that you're speaking, and you just went into Greek. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yes, yeah. and as an actor too, it can really make you realize, oh crap, I don't like. That's what happened to me. I got into theater school when I was in grade twelve. I auditioned for theater school doing Richard the Third's opening monologue with like a, a dumb <laughs> cape with a hump. I had a pillow on my back, pretending to be you know a sixty year old man <laughs> in Shakespearean time. And I somehow, I got into theater school with that and then really quickly realized, oh, I do not know how to do Shakespeare at all. But I thought I was the shit. I can't imagine understanding all the lines. It's true what you say. When a great actors do it, it, it moves you. Certainly. Effortless. But yeah. I mean, when I, when I learned that pen means penis, that was the pinnacle for me of Shakespeare. <laughs> I was like, oh, I think I get all that. I now I'll... Now I'll yeah. try to break down the other words. And there's a lot of penis jokes in Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I bet there are, but they're written so well. They're, they're high class. Yeah. Now, Shakespeare had all these messages, right? It has all these messages. There's a reason that his works are timeless. When you're in a production of, of Shakespeare, do you try to bring the lessons that he's got inherently in there to the present time? And is is this something that people coming out of this pandemic as live performances open up again, do you think that the shows will be viewed with an eye towards the times we're living in now a little bit more? Because the world needs to recover from a lot of different things. People have been isolated. It's played a, a big part on people's mental health. So just being together helps. But do you think that people are looking for deeper messaging now in, uh, in live performances of the arts? I, I definitely I think people after the the year and a half that we've had are thirsty for something communal and are going to be looking for shared experiences, shared moments. I, I think personally, Shakespeare will always be relevant. Um, it doesn't mean that he should be the only thing that we consider relevant and, and worthy of reinvestigation. But there is something about the fact that it's far enough removed now. It's been more than 400 years, we've, we've given ourselves the permission to reinvestigate and rethink his plays to fit our more modern worldviews. And there's always something to be gleaned from that. People sometimes who have issues with Shakespeare say that, you know, it's, it's old and, you know, we're, we're done with that. But he's one of the more forgiving and generous playwrights in, who, in terms of who can play those parts. Hmm. I've seen more diversity and more elasticity with his plays than I've seen with any other playwright. And that's probably because of the distance that we have from his work and because of the universality of the topics and the themes that he explores. And I think what's exciting right now is that there's definitely a push for having actors of diverse backgrounds playing these iconic parts that we've seen so many times before played by the same type of actors. And what, what that's doing is that it's reinvigorating and, and bringing light to different aspects of the plays that we hadn't seen before. So. I definitely think that it's still relevant and that there are things that we can always glean and learn and and bring into the now. And especially like what you were saying just a little bit earlier, I think Shakespeare is so attractive to so many people because he doesn't write in the black and white. He writes in the gray area. And I think that especially now is even more relevant. I, I so strongly do not believe that like, life exists in the black and white. It's always, it's always a combination of feelings or thoughts or approaches or philosophies that kind of create what the human condition is. So I, I do think that that relevance will be easily or more easily seen in, in this, mm -hmm. in this time. Mm -hmm. That is the, uh, it's the deepest thing I've ever heard you say, Annie. And I think it's mostly because <laughs> we're usually... We're usually drinking. We're not usually talking about yep. Shakespeare or life or the <laughs> problems not. with the world. There so is no that was, more uh, where that came from. I tell you, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's like you blacked out for a second. And then, yeah. um, given your breadth of experience, Antoine, I'm, I'm serious about this. Between education, your background, your multilingual background, and your in-depth knowledge and experience of playing Shakespeare, I really do think that if you wanted to, you could put together uh, your own your own festival with, you know, castings that would be out of the norm, bringing new life into this, into these timeless themes. And having learned only through this interview that Annie has a Shakespearean background, which I did not know about. And I think that, um, yeah, you know, she's, she's getting the, the name recognition 
now, right, to bring to the festival. So <laughs> what part would you cast of all the Shakespearean characters? What part would you cast Annie Murphy in? I'd, lo- I'd like to see her play Rosalind or, yeah, I think Rosalind. I'll do it. So, yeah. <laughs> I'd like to see her, uh, you know, Lady Anne in Richard III. Um, okay, well, I want to do Lady Macbeth. So I'm going to turn oh, yeah. down wow. the first two offers. That's a good one. I forgot about that And I'm going to put my one. foot down and say I will not be in attendance um, unless I am playing Lady Macbeth. How about Queen I, Margaret, like the, the mom of, of Lady Anne? How about that's that? That's really rude. It's too bad that you don't want to do <laughs> Lady Anne for Richard III, because I would do Richard III if you want. Like, I, I've still got <laughs> oh, that opening sure. monologue memorized. Sure. Oh, yeah. let's, let's talk about what's coming up uh, next. Antoine, what's, what, what's coming up next for you, my friend? I've got... I got a part in, in a movie for the first time yesterday. Congratulations. Hey, congratulations, my friend. Congratulations. I'll be playing a Jehovah's Witness uncle <laughs> of a young lesbian teenager in a movie that will be shot in Montreal and Gaspésie. And um, I'll play Jean-Francois, who has a, a, a French-Canadian accent when he speaks in English. And so I'm really excited about that. that that's the first. I, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a, a newcomer in the film and TV world. So this year has been such a journey. I've spent countless hours memorizing countless pages for uh, auditions. And it used to be in the olden days, 495 days ago, where you, if you had an audition, you had to go to the, to the office, you know, and you sat down yeah. in a room with 20 people who looked like a slightly better version of yourself. <laughs> and then yeah, you go in yeah. there and, and then you, and then you bomb within 20 seconds. And now uh, it's we, we do what we call self-tapes, or as I'd like to call them, self-hates, where you <laughs> find someone to just... <laughs> you, find someone. you find someone to do a scene with you for like five hours. Five to seven hours. Five to seven hours, <laughs> yeah. and then you send it, and then you never hear back from them. And then there's also Zoom auditions, or as I'd like to call them, Doom auditions. <laughs> where Doom, that's well done. Hopefully more work. I mean, I'm just really grateful. I, I've definitely felt like there's been a shift this year where I'm auditioning for parts that I wasn't seen two, three years ago because there is an effort from the industry to give opportunities to actors who wouldn't necessarily have been considered for parts before. So hopefully more work because that's really all I'd like to do is to keep working. We wish you nothing but the best, my friend. I, uh, I can't wait to see what comes next for you. And Annie Murphy, what's next for you? You're still shooting, I take it. Your, ser- your Kevin series or no? Are you guys done now? No. What's next for me is grabbing a beer with you at Indy because I'm good to yes! be around. I'm going to be in the in the junk until probably <laughs> end of junk. September. I've never heard that. That's can I come? You, you can come. Yes. We're waiting to hear on a season two for Kevin. So okay. fingers crossed. If not, I will be here indefinitely. So I'll just meet you. Like, should we just set up a schedule at Indy? Like every Monday, Wednesday, Friday kind of thing? Yes. I will tell okay. my wife that we're now doing the podcast on location. Okay. And it'll just be us drinking. Perfect. Every 10th one will be an interview Perfect. with other people. Yes, Diana, you can come too. I can see you looking envious that we're We can pitch drinking. in person the idea of a little bit Alexis beer. Yeah, she's going to get back to me with a different one. I know. I can't wait. My text is going to ring three o'clock in the morning. I got it. I've been it! completely distracted this whole time because I've just been <laughs> trying to rack my brains. It'll come. It'll come. Thank you so much to both of you for being part of this. You are really big parts of the Canadian star system. And thanks for helping each other out and inspiring others as well with your work. So thank you. Thanks for doing this thank podcast. You. It's, you it's this. important and you guys are both wonderful. It's, it's a brilliant, brilliant idea. Thank, thank you. you guys. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you like the show, please subscribe or follow us for free wherever you get your podcasts. The Canadian Star System is produced by Diana Francis and Steve Patterson in association with the Apostrophe Podcast Network. If you'd like more information on today's guests, please visit our website at canadianstarsystem.ca where you can find links to their work and their socials. Speaking of socials, you can follow at Canadian Star Pod and at Apostrophe Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our editor and sound technician is Donovan Deschner of Fracture Ephemer Productions. Music by Mark Camilleri of Imagine Sound Studios. Special thanks to Terry O'Reilly, Debbie O'Reilly, Callie O'Reilly, and Nancy Patterson, who is an honorary O'Reilly. And since you're doing such a good job of listening to the credits, there's a bonus clip for you after Steve sings it out. So give it up to these good nuts, because I sell promotion sucks, and
Canadian star system. Yeah, and she also co-produced Fleetwood Mac's album Rumors. Not a yeah. big deal. I was going to say congratulations to <laughs> yes. a, a real a trophy shelf. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's a, the, the Fleetwood Mac is just to remind people that I'm a middle-aged white lady. That's just, yeah. I like to okay. put that over my shoulder. Yeah, okay. she's got that. And there's a cat nearby, but we don't know where. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.